0: Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this Edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today I have as a special guest from Canada, Riaz uh, Medji, and we will be talking about his book, Every Conversation Counts: The Five Habits of Human Connection That Build Extraordinary Relationships. You are one conversation away from changing your life. We all crave connection. We were never meant to live alone or communicate only in likes and retweets. In Every Conversation Counts, TV host and Human Connection keynote speaker, Riaz Meji, digs deep into the dangers uh, dangers of isolation and loneliness, our social pandemic, um, that have all been brought into sharp relief by the coronavirus crisis. He tackles a uniquely modern question why are we so connected and yet so alone? And how can we reconnect? Riaz Medji uh, is a Human Connection keynote speaker and author of the book, again, Every Conversation Counts, he is also an accomplished broadcaster with more than 17 years of TV hosting experience. He has interviewed experts on current affairs in sports, entertainment, politics, and business his on-camera experience, not only taught him the power of a candid conversation, but also how to put it into practice. For more information, you can visit his website, which is riazmegi.com, and that's R-I-A-Z, M-E-G. HJI.com. And you can also just t- go to any browser, type in Every Conversation Counts, and he'll pop right up there for you. So with that, I'd like to welcome Riaz to the show. Good day, Riaz. Robert, thanks for having me on. It is my pleasure. I'm looking forward to our conversation and making this one count. So um, let's first start with uh, what inspired you to write this book?
1: The inspiration behind uh, this book really started in 2012, and it was three days before giving a TED Talk at uh, Simon Fraser University, where oddly enough, I uh, got a business degree before I defected into broadcasting and interviewing people for a living. And three days before this talk, a friend of mine, who's a, a professor at the university, said to me, what's the title of your talk? And he said, you know, I'm guessing you've got some great stories to share from the interviews that you've had, but what's the title? What's the big idea you want to share and hope people take away from the time you spend with them? And when I started to dig inventory over why I do what I do for a living, I really doubled down and looked at the passion and focus of the science of how and why we connect. And those three words, every conversation counts, not only became the title of the talk, but became such a clarity and mantra of how to operate on a daily basis and look at the potential of what could happen in any given conversation.
0: Yeah. that's um, So many times we just have conversations go on and really just don't give it much mind, you know, to really kind of, you know, what we're saying, the impact of what we're saying and that kind of thing. So um, I like the idea of, of Um, highlighting or or raising awareness that every conversation counts. Um, so with this pandemic, (laughs) yeah, this, um, this whatever it is that we went through, uh, tell us about how that impacted the message of every conversation counts.
1: For me, it made it more urgent. I mean, this pandemic has identified many things. And I've said many a time that, you know, pandemics don't change your identity, they reveal it. And one of the greatest reveals of the past 14 months, Robert, has been the fact that human connection is not an option. It is a necessity for us to survive. We have all felt it firsthand of what happens when you strip away the traditional social rituals of hugs, high fives, and handshakes, and communicate at a distance. It's difficult. And we're in this spot right now with a sense of social awkwardness. We're, we're we're out of practice with the art of conversation. And what the pandemic also revealed is a big social issue that existed well before COVID that not many people talked about. And that was the existence of this challenge of loneliness, this perceived lack of meaningful social connection in people's lives. And I, I think people didn't talk about it because there's still a stigma and embarrassment to speak up and say, I have nobody to talk to. And now those conversations of convenience that we may have had at the water cooler or at the office or maybe on the sidelines as our kids played sports together, those all disappeared. And I feel the conversations have become so much more real with the top of mind topic being the psychological struggle each and every one of us has experienced. And if there's a silver lining from this all, I hope it is that the conversations are that much realer on a daily basis of where
0: people are at and what they really need. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so true that, you know, it, uh, this period really highlighted um, the importance, um, the, the need for for that human connection. And, you know, it's, um, and, again, like you said, you know, the, either the office water cooler or the high fives or the handshake, those were things we just took for granted. I mean, those were, you know, those were contacts that we, you know, really took for granted that um, now I think from this point forward we're going to look at it differently. Um, so do you feel that um, this heightened awareness is going to help improve the the quality of conversation, or maybe, or just the awareness of um, contact, maybe not take it for granted so much.
1: I believe it's going to make us appreciate the little things much, much more. And when you when you talk yeah. about the, uh, the the touch points of contact, you, you know, when we strip away those high fives handshakes and hugs there, there's been great science on the touch and sensory deprivation and what that can do to help well i guess it's not a help but the challenging reality that it increases stress anxiety and depression i think it's going to make us uh, have a heightened level of awareness of what all these little things really do for us and not only for ourselves and the importance of prioritizing self-care because you know, Robert, in our daily conversation. So I I could say to you, you know, how are you, Robert? And and you you could give me an answer of where you're at. But I think a, a valuable question is, you know, how are you taking care of yourself, Robert? And that answer, that priority, I hope stays, that people really focus on how they recharge the batteries, because if you can do that, you can be much more intentional and bring so much more to the conversation to possibly help somebody else and reach out to them and lift them up given the struggles are, are really a reality that there is no one size fits all. Everyone's got a different set of circumstances and we need to take care of ourselves so we
0: can take care of our, uh, our, our people in our lives. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That question, changing that question to, you know, what are you doing to take care of yourself from just how you're doing that, that would stop. I think most people in their tracks, you know, because they're, you know, people are used to how you're doing, and then there's that you know, you know, semi-automatic response. Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? You yeah, know, or I'm doing fine. You know, um, versus you know the idea. Of, you know, what are you doing? Just take care of yourself. And it's like, hmm. You know, I think that was gonna that in itself will get people to take pause. Yeah, then-
1: even building on that, Robert, of the general and accepted greeting of "How are you." There's two ideas to play with. If you're asking the question, maybe even adding a word to that question to make it more impactful that we want to we take a deeper, breath. Like, Robert, how are you really? And that <laughs> one word changes the intent of the question to, hey, I, I just don't want the surface easy answer that I could throw to you. Like, yeah, good, fine. But it's, you know what, Robert? Here's how today went. Here's how the last 24 hours went. And then it takes the conversation to a realer real place. And then on the flip side, there's such an opportunity for for us answering the question to really get intentional with reflection. I think it was, it was Ray Dalio that said this, that pain plus reflection equals progress. And for anyone listening to this, if you've experienced a deal of emotional pain during this time, really take the time to reflect on how this has has been a pivotal point in your life. So when somebody asks you the question of, you know, how are things? Uh, what 's changed for you? you can really give a powerful answer because you 've done the thinking and even do the writing. You know People say uh, the power of writing is that you get to live life twice and get to understand what mm. the experience really meant, and that 's an opportunity for us when we 're asked the question to provide something more meaningful so we get past the surface level conversation and establish a really meaningful emotional human connection.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much. And now we're going to, later in the show, we're going to talk about the the five habits of human connections that you cover in your book, but you mentioned meaningful connections. Um, so one of the things you talk about in your book is that a means to combat that loneliness that we were talking about, um, and isolation is, is to, um, uh, to combat that by, you know, fostering meaningful connections. So how would you describe, I mean, is meaningful just in the eye of or in the feeling of the beholder? And and then if that's the case, um, how, how do we um, approach making conversations more meaningful? The initial
1: approach that I take with any conversation, especially if I'm meeting someone for the first time, is, the idea of exploring less facts and more emotion. Because people remember, they remember a feeling. And the interesting era that we're in right now is that first impressions don't happen when you first connect. First impressions happen online when you're not even there. I mean, when I had the chance to, 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 to be in this space with you having this conversation, immediately I was drawn to your photography. And I saw some beautiful shots of lions, and in my head I'm thinking, wonder where Robert shot these. I mean, my, my family grew up in East Africa. I've been to the Serengeti once. So, I, I, amateur photographer over here. Like, so many things went through my mind, and I feel like I've already met you before I've met you. And that in itself is a, a, an uncommon commonality of an appreciation of photos of lions, and then there's the emotion of the passion of photography. So, I, I would say. How can we really find ways to elicit more positive emotion? And the late psychiatrist, Gordon Livingston, he had a great way to look at this. If you have no context of the person in front of you and you want to ignite that meaningful, emotional connection, he found the happiest people had three things going on in their lives. The happiest people had something to do. They have someone to love and they have something to look forward to. And if anybody's answering those questions, those answers tap into relationships, those answers tap into emotion, and there's going to be an exchange of a feeling that's going to make that conversation memorable as opposed to an exchange of information that just feels transactional and forgettable when someone is thinking back to what was actually exchanged in the first place.
0: That that makes sense. And, And so... For people who are, you know, we're we're talking about combating loneliness and isolation. So for people who are kind of experiencing that at the moment, um, the idea of being proactive and kind of going out and um, making the connections um might be difficult i mean you know for some people that's a kind of a difficult thing to do i mean they're more reactors than initiators so for, for those who are listening who may feel that, that loneliness or isolation and also may feel a reluctance to kind of you know be the initiator of connection what, what would you say to them find ways
1: to create more face-to-face connection. And this kind of references some of the terrific work by the late pioneer of loneliness research, Dr. John Cacioppo. And when he looked at the primary cause of loneliness, and, and there are so many reasons why why someone could feel emotionally isolated, as you're outlining, it could be you feel like you don't have a best friend, you feel like nobody gets you, uh, you feel like you know you have nobody to talk to, or there could be issues with self-esteem and self-doubt. If we can create, and especially through video, there's a lot of reliance, convenience in many ways has become the enemy of connection because we use text, we use email, and we miss out on the opportunity to see each other and feel each other's energy. And Dr. Cacioppo really looked at the idea of even if you're at a distance, create opportunities to connect through video. If you're not doing it in person, then obviously video is the primary uh, medium right now as as we're attempting to be safe coming out of this. That's step one, but step two is really looking at, like, Robert, if you were checking in on me to make sure if I was okay uh, and you, you were almost uh, being that supportive therapy to help me work through something, yes, that's important, but that won't solve the problem altogether. For us to really break through this, there has to be a mutually beneficial relationship of contribution where I need to feel like I'm contributing to your life and I'm making a difference in your life as well. So I don't feel I'm just draining your energy. So I think mutual care comes into this and finding people where you can you can equally contribute to each other's lives. Yes, there has to be a willingness on both parts. And there also has to be an intention and willingness to put yourself out there. Have these face to face conversations, ask these questions and make an effort. Because the tendency that I've heard in working with leaders is that we're exhausted and the tendency to retreat is becoming more comfortable because we're out of practice with conversation. So it really starts with how we can seize the moment, put ourselves out there, ask the questions, and and just be as meaningful as possible with the emotion and connections we want to make.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I have to say that um, watching your YouTube videos gave me a really good um, idea of, of who Riaz is, and uh, so that was it was a really that was a really a great way to when you said you know to check up on see who who you are. I did. I wanted to get a sense of, of who I would be talking to today. So, but um, but that, those are very very helpful videos you have by the way for for people to listen to watch as well. Thank you. So, so now one of the things that um, you talk about is the intro to your book um, is basically says, look at you versus look at me. So tell us about um, that approach um, when it comes time for making those meaningful connections.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that you brought this up because yesterday my two-and-a-half-year-old son, uh, Nico, we were out at the park and as he's playing, he's screaming, look, look, look at me, look at me. (laughs) And it reminded me of this sentiment that as when we are children and if we're fortunate enough to, you know, have our parents and, and, and have a loving support network, that's what happens. We're conditioned to gain and get all of this attention that feels so good coming up. But as we, as we get older and as we evolve and, as we look around in a relationship and meet new people, everybody's had some sort of different upbringing, and some people have less attention than others. And this idea of, for years, you know, I, I would I would focus on, you know, what's the thing I could say, and now it's what does this person need to hear? What does this person need in terms of support right now? Putting that focus forward is crucial. Because not everybody's going to ask for help. Not everybody's going to open up and tell you how big their struggle is in their life. But the leaders, you know, Robert, in some of the interviews I would do on television in my career, the most impactful ones had nothing to do with what I said. It was the questions I could ask to unlock something from that person where they could share something of of just huge value in their life. And they would walk away saying, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, Ria's presence. It had nothing to do with my presence. It was about courageous curiosity and extended curiosity, because I feel like we pull up short because everything's so easy to obtain information, especially online. So this idea of look at you uh, really emphasized the importance of how our curiosity, our authentic curiosity can lead to unexpected connection.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know that is you know that's the one thing I think that you know when it comes time to um, make those connections, you know, to initiate those connections, you know, if if you take that approach of focusing on the other individual, you know, and, and what their needs and you know desires and you know just what it is that you can help with, would would, would really uh, definitely show your um, your. Empathy, your your concern, and and also help guide the conversation because you really get a a good idea of kind of where they're at and where they're coming from when they start talking about themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. And to build on that,
0: I've,
1: I've come to just realize that there are three questions we all ask ourselves when we meet somebody for the first time. And those questions are, do you care about me? Are you listening to me? And can I trust you? And the work we do to understand who people are before we even meet them, that gesture can convey that sense of care. That listening of how we lean in and combat our distractions and give someone the gift of our undivided attention speaks wonders right now when we live in this culture of convenience and multitasking and everything moving so fast. And the notion of can I trust you You know, I think back to a conversation I had with Darren Hardy, who's the author of the book, The Compound Effect, which I love this book because it really emphasizes the importance of small, small activities having just profound impact. And when I had the chance to meet Darren and talk to him, and he's interviewed some of the greats, he's a coach to and mentor to CEOs around the world. And I said, Darren, like, what is your secret to connecting with anyone? And he said two words that stick with me to this day. And he said, Riaz, go first. I said, go first. I'm like, tell me about that. And he said, if you want to motivate somebody, go first and find out what motivates them and help them achieve that. He said, Mm -hmm. if you you want somebody to trust you, go first and reveal something about yourself and show you trust them first. And then create that space of safety where they, they then know... Yeah, I could trust Robert. I could trust Riaz. And those three questions: Do you care? Are you listening? And can I trust you? I believe go a long way with uh, you know establishing these connections we need.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Now, um, when we're talking, when we're talking about you know. the the communication and connection. You know, you you just talked about go first and, you know, to help establish that. Um, One of the things you talk about in your book is you you talk about crafting a a compelling story, um, making yourself a magnet for attention. Um, So um, would this be um, like an example of that go first, maybe what uh, what a, a compelling story might be? Can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point here. This notion of going first, if I'm going to share something about my life. Now, some people will say good stories have a beginning, middle, and end. But I truly believe having heard leaders and, and, and just people speak uh, about their adversity over their lives, that the best stories have struggle, conflict, and resolution. And connection really happens in the struggle. Like when you look at what rock bottom was. And and maybe you lost somebody or lost a job, especially like during the pandemic and what we've been through, because everybody roots for an underdog. And when you can articulate that struggle on a human level, people will start rooting for you and they'll they'll Mm want to know, how, how did you work through that? So that was your struggle. What were the high stakes you were up against? Tell me about this conflict. And then selfishly, as a listener, we're always to really you know, keep somebody's attention. That, that, that struggle off the top could capture it, but to keep it, there's got to be something for them in the end, and that comes into that pain plus reflection equals progress. What's the teaching point? What's the teaching moment you're going to give somebody? If Okay, you went through this. You faced that conflict. You overcame that adversity, but what's that lesson you learned that, that's going to make my life better? That's what the listeners, you know, they're waiting for. And when you can give them that gift of an idea that's going to make their days better, they're going to remember you for it. And the realer we get with the struggle, the realer that connection and conversation is going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very much. Well, we're we're about halfway through. Um, so I'm gonna take just a quick break. And I do want to invite listeners, if you would like to call in and ask Riaz any questions, you can call in at six one nine seven eight nine four three five nine and for those listening live in the chat room if you have any questions feel free to pose them there um, and then when we come back um, Riaz, um I want to take a look at you know you talked about you know kind of be real get that get that um, story out there but one of the things you also talk about too is also to um, uh, put us, it's one of the, the five habits, but it talks about a, a perfect persona, the perfect persona that we put forward. So I want to talk first, when we to come back about social media and, and that persona that we put out there, okay?
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds great.
0: Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest joining us from Canada is Riaz Medji, and we are talking about his new book, Every Conversation Counts, The Five Habits of Human Connection That Build Extraordinary Relationships. And again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is riazmedji.com, and that's r-i-a-z-m-e-g-h-j-i.com. Okay, with that we're back, Riaz. All right, great. Well, you know, I've noticed in the first half of the show we got a lot of threes, (laughs) like the uh, what what uh, major you know, what some of those people you interviewed talked about as far as you know, what do people do? The idea of to do, to love, or to look forward to something. As far as um, you know, eliciting interest. and also the three questions, do you care? Are you listening? Do I trust you? And we got the pain plus reflection equal progress. So we really got some real I like to I mean, I used to be a corporate trainer. So I we used to do um acronyms and, and numbered, you know, things to be able to easily remember. And three is a really easy number to remember and so you got a lot of hints so far for, for us. So I'm I'm really happy about that. Um I guess, you know, the, um, let's, let's talk about the, you know, the idea of social media. I know um, in, in your book you talked about, you know, tech, technology can be great as, um, you know, uh, a benefit to communication, but it also can be a detriment um, to communication. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, your view of social media in that, you know, that positive and net, you know, upside and downside of it. And, and then the idea of, of a pers- the persona that we put out through that kind of media. Mm. Yeah, social media really has become this double-edged sword.
1: And it gives us an opportunity to check in with people and, and see what they're doing. But the challenge of it is sometimes it becomes a competition. And what we're posting is we're just trying to keep up with each other. And the big question is, is how are you using social media? I mean, I champion the idea of creation over consumption. If we're using it to create conversations and ask interesting questions and have connections like this, where we're we're in a, a podcast space, virtually having a meaningful conversation like this, Robert, you know, that's a win. But if we get caught up in the trap of passive consumption of constantly scrolling feed, hitting a like here and there, there's no real commentary. It's like checking in with someone who's just, you know, hitting the like or retweet button. That's going to end up leading us to feel more isolated, more inadequate because we, we get trapped in a culture of comparison. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to use social media The big idea I really wanted to double down on in this book and even in our conversation here is how do we get intentional with creation over consumption? Because there are powerful things that can come from social media if used in the right way.
0: Okay, so when you're talking about creation versus consumption, you're talking about just, in the the case of social media, posting, um, creating posts. As well as engaging others and others, rather than just being like a passive uh, consumer or, or receptor of a consumption.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're going to post something that 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 is a great idea that that you believe really resonated with you and could help the audience, throw it a call to action with a question to get the audience engaged. So there's a nice healthy back and forth. And even spending 15 minutes a day just checking out what other people are doing, but really dropping a meaningful comment if they're celebrating a, a, a milestone. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about the power yeah. of trees. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you another one. And this is you know, what kind of stories that, that people are sharing. There's three really big narratives that, that I've noticed that, that stand out, and it's trials, transitions, and triumph. And if somebody has done something for the first time, hit them up in the comments, celebrate with them, ask them, you know, how that how actually you felt to do that for the first time. If they're transitioning jobs or moving to a new city, you know, dive in, yeah, celebrate them and understand, you know, what, what's that like? What do you need help with? And then the triumphs, you know, there have been some great success stories that have come out of the, the, the pandemic, uh, really champion the idea of, you know, what, what's your best tip of how you were able to accomplish that. And that is us. Not being passive consumers, that is us caring and showing genuine interest to learn and maintaining, I guess you could say, a beginner's mindset. And that, that is the greatest uh, idea, I think, in any conversation. If you want to make every conversation count, ask yourself, how do I maintain a beginner's mindset in this to learn something, maybe do something differently, and possibly have a productive dialogue or even productive disagreement to to reach a new common ground with somebody but that takes humility to ask yourself what am i going to learn here
0: yeah yeah it it, it does it, and um i find it um i know when when i am going through social media you know and every now and then i find myself falling into that that uh, consumption mode yep like 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 you know it's like then Hopefully, you know I'll catch myself and say, okay, what do I like about it? You know, what is it, I like? and and why don't I tell the person what it is I like about it? So I'm trying to do more of the, that kind of thing, um, you know, uh, you know, rather than simply like, you know, just just letting the individual know what it is that I like about it, and um, and being honest, you know, and, and you know, and, and if. You know, there's something that, you know, is not of particular interest, you know, rather than just, oh, this is my best friend. I'm going to go ahead and like this, you know, just let a go because that's, you know, I, I don't know what I can say about it, you know, um, that would be beneficial. So, um, but uh, but that's just one of the things I think that, you know, and I know that whenever I, like, take a picture that will be, you know, some kind of you know maybe crazy look on the bird or something. You know that I just put up to people. You know, what kind of caption would this be? You know, what you know, just to get people to think. You know, mainly because a lot of times I'll have competing captions in my head, and I don't want to see what people say. You know, and, and it hopefully gives them the uh, an opportunity to take a second to be creative, and, um, and maybe engage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you're giving them access to your creative process with the photography, and then that's that's, that's fun because there's such creativity happening there to, to, you know, name, uh, caption this. And then you get to see everybody contributing. Some will be funny. Some will be insightful. Some will be creative. But it's it's really coming down to that look at you approach. You've made the post, but your call to action is I want to hear from you, and then you're making it about
0: that other person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I find I find that the most satisfying, you know. And and you know, I've long ago dropped the, the likes and you know who, how many likes and who responded and all that kind. Because of, for me, it it, didn't, it really kind of went back to my, I think it was I've been doing this show now for like a, a little over eleven years, and, and probably in year two or three when I was following the numbers um, incessantly, um, recognized that one of my least listened to shows was one of the most helpful for several listeners in, in many ways and it was i'll never forget the the woman wrote a book about um, her husband was a sociopath and how he led her onto her spiritual path <laughs> you, know, like, oh, you wow. know it was something it was something that i was like i mean i you know going through the process of do i want her on the shows or not you know Anyway, it was one of those, that's like, well, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. There might be someone out there who could use could use this information. And, and sure enough, you know, I mean, that, I got some pretty interesting, you know, very sincere and, and thoughtful response to that one. And so it was from that point on, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how many, it's just who, you know, the, 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 who listens and, and who it helps. That's really the the important metric of that.
1: You know, th- that, that is so fascinating to me, Robert, because th- this makes me think of the idea of building trust, uh, especially in this, in, in this virtual world we're working in. And in 11 years doing a show, you're demonstrating the power of consistency. And in so many ways, consistency cultivates that trust. And your medium is the mm-hmm. podcast. I mean, you mentioned the YouTube channel earlier. Somebody gave me great advice when they started YouTube. They said, if you're going to do this, Learn how to clap for yourself. Because in the beginning, it's so funny how we get caught up in those metrics. And I can admit, when I started YouTube, I was coming from, you know, a broadcast network spoiled by the luxury of a mainstream audience. Then starting a YouTube channel with these videos where I wanted to serve. And it would get maybe 20 views in the course of a couple weeks. And my wife would be looking at me thinking, you you really, you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm clapping for myself (laughs) right now. But then the interesting thing that happens is the power of the medium, people will discover your podcast. People have discovered the YouTube videos from around the world. And they're telling me about their pain points of connecting and speaking and will engage back and forth. And I think they're surprised that, oh, somebody has responded when they're telling me how anxious they get before they have to speak in front of people. And it's somebody from, you know, the Philippines who I have no idea who they are, but they've been honest. They've put something out there. And if you consistently show up, they'll trust you as the guide or the voice to help them work through a space. And some videos have a few views, some episodes like you in the podcast could have thousands of views. But the beauty of it is, you're consistent. You're not doing it for the metrics. You're doing it for the power of service. And all it takes is one. You change one person's life, like the uh, yeah. sociopath husband, leading to this, you know, spiritual reality that someone listening might
0: have the exact same outcome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that one—that one just to this day, you know, it floors me. I mean, again, yeah, it was just one of those touchstone types of touch, you know, stone types of uh, events or, or, you know, periods that that it kind of really shifted my perception. And and and, I mean, I will have, you know, people who will maybe be a cancer survivor who will want to have a new book and want to talk about it, and and I've done probably a dozen plus, you know, shows on cancer survivors. But to me, uh, each story and each person is unique um, and that, you know, each deserves to be told, you know, and that there it may be reaching someone who wasn't uh, a listener, you know, 10 years ago, but who is now, you know, so, um, so I always say yes to those kinds of things. You know, the the idea of the, the struggle, conflict and resolution that you pointed out earlier, you know, those are, those are areas that I really love to, to highlight. Um, because when, when people are going through a struggle or conflict, um, it's sometimes very hard to see resolution, you know, in the, in the future, but, but it helps if you hear someone who has so. uh, now. I want to spend the last 20 minutes talking a little bit about, um, on a high level, the, the five habits of, of human connections that, that you talk about in your book um, that build extraordinary relationships. Um, and so, again, we'll just do a kind of high level. But the first one is listen without distraction. Um, there's nothing more frustrating than I'm, when I'm at you know dinner with someone and, and I'm chatting away and all of a sudden they just pick up their phone and start scrolling or start doing something. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it it really doesn't do, bode well for for my conversation with that person in the future. Um, so can you talk about just the importance of, of limiting those distractions?
1: Yeah, I mean, what you're describing with the phone, at least during this time with with the pandemic, uh, we stepped away from restaurants and avoided, I mean, there's a term for it, fubbing people, where you place your phone down on the table while you're talking to somebody. And one, it can harbor resentment with the other person feeling, okay, this phone is as important or more important than what I'm saying to you. But on the flip side, the person that's put their phone down, there's research that proves it can Uh, impact your cognitive ability and decrease your attention by up to 20%. So you're already putting yourself at a handicap by putting that phone on the table. The other idea with listening without distraction is understanding that in many ways, Robert, like we are too smart for our own good. Our brains are just built that way because we can absorb, our brains can absorb four to 500 words per minute. Yet the average person speaks at a rate of around 125 words per minute, So if we're not intentional with recognizing the distractions of technology, of multitasking, the emotional distraction when we disagree with somebody and close ourselves off, or even the idea of just having this agenda in our mind or the questions we're going to ask and we're not even listening, we're just waiting to speak, we're going to miss out on that opportunity to really hear something powerful. So this really comes to the idea of becoming aware of what are the distractions on a daily basis in everyday communication, pinpoint them, and then start picking them off one by one. And when you do that, you'll empower yourself to truly give somebody the gift of your undivided
0: attention. Okay. Now it kind of leads me into number two, which is make your small talk larger. So now we re- we're all, we all all kind of know what small talk is. Um, so, is this what, what do you mean by making it larger, more quantity or more in depth?
1: Yeah, depth, in depth, and this really speaks to the emotion piece that we talked about earlier about less information and finding more emotion. Because the common threads of what everybody talk about, everybody talks about, is career, it's health. It's relationships. And if you tap into their relationships, emotion truly, truly lives there. And the important part about how you make your small talk bigger is also documenting those small things. And we kind of touched on this too. Those small things that they'll give you, those small details. Maybe it's about you mentioning my YouTube channel. Uh, Maybe it's the small thing about, hey, where you shot those lions. And those, like, small ideas that come out of the conversation, document those. Because if you can bring that up a week, a month, a year, after you had an initial conversation with someone, you will blow them away by showing how that initial conversation that could have been considered small talk becomes so much bigger because they will realize you not only listened to me, you remember what I shared with you. You know, one of the most common things of small talk, if you think digital small talk, we open up an email. Hey, Robert, hope you're well. What if we could replace hope you're well with these small specific social cues that we've picked up on in our conversations that just open it up so much more. Immediately in that first line, you you would be more open to the idea of hearing from me knowing that, hey, that's my guy, man. Riaz was dialed in. He was listening to what I was saying. Okay, what are the next few lines on this? Because all that's doing is look at you is greater than look at me. And and that mantra is a thread throughout the book, but it's definitely a pillar for making our small talk bigger.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I, I recognize, you know, when someone brings up something, you know, that I've said, you know, you know, long time ago and just to me, it's, not only has that, you know, oh, you were listening and that you remembered, but also the, the fact that what I said has an impact enough to be remembered, you know, um, and, and just recognizing that every day when I'm talking to just maybe even someone in passing, you know, on, on the street or in the grocery store, you know, that that particular conversation can, can make an impact. And 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 we don't know. We don't know the impact, correct, that it can make. Absolutely. The crossroads that you could meet somebody at,
1: and you have no idea what could be happening that day or what's happening in their life. But the energy you bring, the curiosity you bring, could be a complete catalyst to where they're at. And even if that, that, that yeah. meetup, I've met people where there's only been like three, four, five conversations in my life where they've had a profound
0: impact. It's, it can happen at any time. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, we, we have a, a few more, three more um, of the five habits. Um, I do have somebody in the chat room, I mean, in, on, online who has the question. So, you know, I was going to wait till we go through all five, but let me go ahead and take that call. Because it might be something we're okay. talking about right now, and then we'll we'll finish up. So, caller from the 408 area code. Can I get your name and location? Your first name and location. Hello.
1: Craig. In California. Yeah, you're,
0: sorry. You're, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, your name is Craig.
1: Yeah, Craig. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize that's right now.
0: Craig from California. Okay, Craig. You, you have you have a question there for Riaz? Uh yeah, I just wanted to
1: just jump in there with them and just kind of flow with them and see what happens, you know?
0: Well, do you have a, a question A question in particular, though, Craig?
1: Well, it's not really a particular. It's just that I'm listening, and I wanted to be a mirror and see if I can reflect some of that back. But hey, I didn't know what kind of program it is.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, right now I want to kind of get through um, those and um, the rest of them and you know, do you really want to make it a, a three way conversation right at the moment. Okay? Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah, that was great. That okay, great. Okay, great. Great. Okay. Um, so, uh, okay, so we had, uh, we had listened without distraction was one and number two is make your small talk larger. Now, three, we do touch on is put aside your perfect persona. So is this a matter of just um, exposing our vulnerability to others, maybe?
1: Yeah, this one, you know, when we touch on the the notions of going first and sharing our transformations, those are two big ones. And the other thing that I would add for this habit is conveying, you know, some people will say, well, well, how do you know it's the right amount of vulnerability? And when does it become oversharing? And some of the research I discovered really looked at the psychological concept known as the proffal effect that doubles down on the notion of conveying credibility before vulnerability. If you want to establish that connection, because what happens is if people see you as a trusted leader or a trusted friend that you put in the work, that idea of vulnerability will create a candid space. It will draw them closer. But if you're in a space where people are questioning your competence to begin with, and then you floor the gas pedal with this vulnerability, what that'll do is create distance instead of connection. And then Mm -hmm. it'll be construed as the overshare. So when we're doing this, uh, think about who's in the room. Think about what they're ready for and consider how they're perceiving you. Do they see you as competent? Do they see you as the authority? Do they see you as a leader? Do they see you as a trusted friend? And if they do, your vulnerability and putting aside that perfect persona will start to unlock some powerful places.
0: So the the idea um of I'm looking at thinking of perfect you know persona versus um, credibility so I mean is there I mean can, can we have can we establish that credibility um, you know without um, having to appear perfect
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you establish that credibility by, for example, what you've done with the podcast for 11 years, consistency can establish that credibility. You don't have to be perfect, but you've showed up to the point where you're a trusted guide for people to extract these insights. You know, I'll I'll give you an example, one that really resonated with me just because I'm a big Will Smith fan. I recently saw him on social media reach out, and this went viral of him saying, I'm going to be real with y'all. I'm in the worst shape of my life. And he's known in his movies of having this, you know, chiseled bodies in great shape. And he's, you know, for his standards, he's totally out of shape and he showed a real side of himself. But what he did was he inspired other people to share the fact that they're out of shape too. Like who's in shape during the pandemic? It almost gave permission (laughs) to just show off your real body. But now he's about to put in the work again, to get back in shape and even inspire people to go after a personal transformation on their own. And I think opportunities like that, Will Smith has his fan base, love him or, or, or hate him, wherever you stand on Will Smith, he has a fan base. And he mm-hmm. has respect because he's been there for years doing what he loves in the entertainment business. That he opened up and used social media for good to show a real side. And what that did was inspiring others to follow, follow suit. He went first.
0: And that's a big part of this, yeah. putting a our perfect persona yeah that that is good, yeah'cause because, i mean we have seen him buff, you know very very um muscular in, in past um you know roles that he has played so um you know I, I think that was that was a that was an interesting you know when when that picture came out and all the comments came about it i I found it interesting and and I was happy to see him, you know, just embrace the fact that, hey, yeah, this is it. And, you know, and, and this is what I'm going to do about it, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully that will um, motivate some. Now, the the fourth um, of the five habits of human connection is be assertively empathetic. Um, uh, that, to me, seems... I don't know. Is it an oxymoron, or, or how how would how would one describe you know assertive empathy?
1: Yeah, it's so, it's so funny that you use the word oxymoron, and a lot of people are like, "How is that even possible? Assertive and <laughs> empathetic? Aren't they mutually exclusive?" <laughs> the assertive part really comes down to checking ourselves in conversations, and that assertiveness uh, involves how we can lead with discovery before we dismiss an idea. Because sometimes, and we're living in a polarized time, sometimes when there's differing viewpoints, we're quick to jump in, challenge, disagree, interrupt. If we want to be assertively empathetic, how do we check all that and put the relationship first, logic second, and acknowledge that person? Even if we disagree with them, acknowledge them, understand that point of view, and focusing on what we can agree on with what they're sharing. And what that allows us to do, we're putting the focus on them, we're assertively checking our own emotional distractions, but what that allows us to do is create a, a safe space for us to explore new possibilities. And you know, there's some research that the University of Wisconsin did years ago. We were, how do you create that safe space? Especially when things get heated. And they said one of the most uh, useful ideas is the use of I statements. That, you know, I'm getting frustrated. I'm feeling exhausted. You know, I should have known better. And we could even use our questions with, with I statements and use I questions. You know, what's the question I failed to ask to understand your reality? How could I show up for you better in this situation? And when we do that, we create a dynamic where regardless of the challenge or the debate or the topic, we create a synergy where we're on the same side against the problem. So it would be you and me, Robert, versus the challenge it had at hand instead of me versus you. And when people know mm-hmm. we can be on the same side, that form of assertive empathy will lead to some powerful breakthroughs.
0: Yeah. I can see the... the- Coexist <laughs> we coexist um now the the last of the five habits was uh make people look famous um and and I noticed um in your book you made mention that your your dad made people feel like a million dollar bill, and so sure. I couldn't help but think that some of that um dad <laughs> your know, value system kind of made its way into the the five habits. So can you tell us a little bit about that, you know, the idea of making people look famous or you know, I guess that kind of goes back to the um, you know, look at you kind of aspect. Yeah,
1: it's definitely look at you. And this habit of making people feel famous taps into the the place we're all in right now. And psychologist William James, he he said this best that the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. We all need a champion and cheerleader in our corner that truly sees us, that appreciates us, that recognizes the contribution we're making. And sometimes what happens, even though our intent might be pure, Robert, is that we stop short by just saying, hey, great job. Like if somebody heard this podcast and said, hey guys, great job on that conversation on human connection. I appreciate you know the reach out and the comment But at the same time, I would have a sense of curiosity of what made it great? What was useful for you? So this habit, if there's one thing you can take away for it and apply it in a conversation today, tomorrow, next week, is how you can practice specificity with your praise to make it specific. And someone might say, you know what was great about that conversation? When Robert said he's been doing this podcast for 11 years and you guys talked about consistency cultivating trust and showing up on the regular, that really resonated. So let's make that praise specific. Let's make it personal. Here's why it resonated. Here's what I'm doing differently. Let's make it urgent. Let's not wait to give somebody that comment. Let's jump in. If you see it, if you believe it has a powerful effect, let that person know. And above all, make it public. That's the beauty of social media, to celebrate our champions and recognize efforts being made, and that's what's going to lift people up and let them know you are an all-star. What you're doing is making a difference. And during the pandemic, we've had our heads down just trying to survive in so many levels, we lose sight of the impact we could have in any given conversation. So how can we be specific with our praise to make people feel famous and really lift people up?
0: Yeah. 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 I, I, I try and practice that. Like, like I mentioned, you know, trying to engage more with, with my feedback, you know, and like, Oh, you know, that i love the shading of that picture that you took or, you know, she has your, that baby has your eyes, like that kind of thing, you know, um, just to, um, just to, to let people know exactly what it was like that, that um, got my, what captured my attention. So gosh, we we're already down to the end of the show, Riaz. So um, for people who want to find out about the future of human connections, which is part three of your book, they can get your book and, and read that. And uh, talking about the virtual world and, and the future is, is human. So I, I guess in closing, Riaz, um what is it that you hope that um, people are going to take away from reading Every Conversation Counts?
1: My sincere hope is that the book inspires people to break out of autopilot mode with how we communicate and build relationships and get intentional with the little things. How we listen, how we lead with curiosity, how we bring uh, a candid sense of self, putting aside perfection, You know, leading with that empathy. <laughs> and we know assertiveness and empathy can now coexist. <laughs> and, and giving people the power of your appreciation with specificity. And that takes intention. So I hope people get intentional with their communication and just break out of autopilot mode.
0: Great. Well, I I know I have learned a lot from your book, and um, and I know that will be influencing my communication. And and so I really want to thank you for that. So I want to thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed our chat, and I'm sure that our, our listeners did too and got a lot from our conversation. So thank you again, Riaz.
1: Robert, thanks so much, not only for having me on, but for reading the book and taking the time to go through it. I really appreciate
0: it. You're very welcome. Um, Again, everyone today, my special guest joining us from Canada is Riaz Meiji, and we have been talking about his new book, Every Conversation Counts, The Five Habits of Human Connection That Build Extraordinary Relationships. And again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is RiazMeghi.com. And that's R-I-A-Z-M-E-G-H-J-I dot. And like I said, you can always just uh, go into your favorite browser and type in every conversation counts, and you'll get quite a few links um, to Riaz. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.